So today, I'd like to complete the reading of what is uh, actually chapter 6 uh, in the section 1 of book 3, Selected Essays, 2001-2010, section Wanderers, UFO, and ET Groups, interview with Deborah Lindemann on abduction. And this is the third part of that. And we start on page 37 uh, after some small discussion of wanderers. Uh, Deborah asks me at the top of uh, 37 uh, about the whole issue of polarity in terms of uh, cosmic community, higher dimensional beings and groups, and comparing my or asking about my perspective from the raw material and my own paranormal experience, um, putting that side by side with um, the current thinking in the UFO research community, which <laughs> is quite muddled now by this time, uh, 15 years later, with <clears throat> all sorts of discussion of the secret space program, which I think exists for sure, um, but a whole lot of confusion about uh, benevolent versus malevolent extraterrestrial life and how to even recognize that. Uh, there's a lot of, um, it seems to me, a lot of confusion. So let me just jump in. A uh, couple of paragraphs down, page 37. Deborah said, A lot of UFO researchers and therapists out there in the field have a very polarized view of the nature of these beings that are visiting Earth. One view is that they're all negative. Uh, David Jacobs is one who talked about that, or even uh, Bud Hopkins, perhaps. Or, in the more rare cases, that they're all positive or benign, like Stephen Greer seems to believe, or uh, Richard Boylan. It seems to be one viewpoint versus the other viewpoint, certainly not much in between. What's your take on the percentage of negative versus positive extraterrestrials that are visiting us, and what do you base that on? And my reply, I said, well, first of all, I do have an idea about the number or percentage of positive and negatively oriented extraterrestrials universally that's based on a figure from the raw material, which I trust deeply because of my years of working with it, teaching others, and seeing how it fits personal and collective experience, particularly explaining um, many very subtle dynamics of life on Earth. They say, raw material, that 90% of the beings in the universe are on the path of love, also called the path of service to others. 10% then follow what's called the path of service to self, negatively oriented. But I think the balance of positive-negative contact for Earth humanity is certainly not 90-10 in the favor of the positive. Of course, the negative contacts get more press, and they're more sensational, and people talk more about them which leads to an artificial inflation of the sample, a kind of skewing of the sample, meaning to think that all uh, the, the cosmic life is a direct reflection of the uh, nature of the ET contacts that are publicized, I think is mistaken. And I go on, what we hear about <clears throat> is also not necessarily reflective of all that's happening globally in terms of ET contact, it's only a skewed selection of what's taking place. What we're told actually seems to be the converse, or 90-10 in terms of negative to positive. 
and that's a focus on so many cases of abduction. What may actually be happening worldwide could be closer to 50-50, but I don't know for sure. If some Egyptian farmer gets a vision of a benevolent spiritual being out in the middle of his field, he probably won't go running to the newspapers or TV stations, and it won't make the 6 o'clock news or some kind of sightings TV program. But if people have negative contacts or something really traumatic, that's when they make videos or sell the rights to Hollywood. So I really can't say what the percentage of positive-negative contact on Earth really is. I think it's important that researchers do have a polarized view, but only if it is inclusive. A polarized view, meaning that there truly are positive ETs and truly negative ETs, would be quite helpful, and I think that's truly the way it is in the universe. I also don't think we should be afraid to use the terms positive and negative, because we can speak that way and still realize and know that everything is a creator, everything is God, everything is held in most perfect love and divine order. If you want to be holistic and unified, I can do that, meaning to say all is one, there's no positive, negative, the law of one. Sure, I can do that. But in time and space, we do see that souls have clearly polarized intentions. And that's what polarity is about. It's moral polarity or polarity of intention. And more so, the extraterrestrials have obviously polarized intentions, meaning moral, positive and negative. So I think we need a balanced and inclusive view that acknowledges both unity and polarity. <clears throat> and she goes on, You have stated in your book that many modern therapists feel it is their duty to, quote, fix and correct those with whom they work, However, you caution, and I agree with you on this, <clears throat> that nowhere is this attitude potentially more destructive than with contactees and abductees. Would you amplify this a bit more? So the idea of the therapist having a sense of, I've got to fix this, which can be very helpful, but it depends. So I answered, in that statement, I'm referring to two different categories of counselors or therapists who want to fix, change, and correct their clients, the first category is of those professionals who actually don't believe in the metaphysics of what the client is presenting. They don't believe that there are such things as objective aliens or any such thing as interdimensional contact. So these are uh, atheistic, materialistic, or perhaps even nihilistic uh, therapists and counselors. And Deborah interjected that the person, meaning that they think that the person's having delusions or that there's some other psychological, generally, explanation, and I said, right. So this kind of therapist takes the psychological orientation, actually takes the psychopathological orientation to their interpretation and treatment, and they basically try to dissuade the person out of their, quote, false beliefs. Now, that seems to be such an elementary mistake on the therapist's side that it might even seem foolish and a waste of time to talk about it, at least among those of us who believe in the spiritual reality, higher dimensional life and non-physical beings and groups. But I think this orientation, this perspective, probably dominates the orthodox treatment of ET contact issues. And as you know, spiritual healers are in the minority, meaning most therapists and healers and teachers and helpers are probably materialistic. <laughs> they have a worldview that doesn't include any sense of the reality of non-physical life. And she, go, she adds, oh sure, abductees get this all the time. They don't even feel that they can tell their therapist this for fear of being thought crazy. 
and I go on, and I said, and that's because psychology is bound by the rational, material, empirical paradigm. Psychology is sort of the struggling poor brother of medicine, trying to be a credible science, when actually it's not quite possible, since so much of the domain of psychology includes the intangible phenomena of mind. Ultimately, mind experience is deeply related to metaphysics, and includes all the familiar issues such as past life karmic influence, interdimensional contact, plans of higher self, non-rational intuition, subjective knowing, all of which can't be addressed by only looking at childhood events, which is how ET contact is fit or understood by these atheistic or materialistic uh, professionals. And she adds, so a therapist that's trained in metaphysics and understanding of these dimensions of the mind or the experiences that we're capable of having wouldn't be coming from a, quote, let's fix this problem viewpoint. And I said, right, I think not. Meaning somebody with metaphysics or a spiritual perspective has a different, uh, a different approach. So I said, right, I think not. Unfortunately, it's very rare to find someone who's clinically well-trained in a psychology or counseling program having a master's or PhD degree and also coming from a strong metaphysical background. People in metaphysics don't generally care about psychology because they think it's backwards, which it certainly is in many ways. And the people who are found in orthodox mainstream psychology who may actually be excellent therapists when it comes to normal kind of issues, the issues of this life and this world, particularly relationship and emotion, these people usually think metaphysics is just hokey pokey, woo woo, a product of the imagination, or just plain irrelevant. I think that a counselor who has an appreciation for both psychodynamics as well as familiarity with metaphysical principles and the way of mind and interdimensional contact would certainly try to work with the person's emotional process, then help them frame it cognitively, which any good therapist would also do. At the same time, I think they'd also help the person look at their own belief system and their own mental, spiritual, and karmic patterns that allowed the contact to happen in the first place. So many people don't go that deeply. <laughs> so there would be an intervention that included some measure of, quote, fixing, correcting, or changing the person's habitual patterns, but without any kind of attempt to dissuade them of their beliefs or dismiss the potential objective reality of the metaphysics involved. The counselor would not be trying to get rid the client of any notions, but it depends on what people are believing, <laughs> but rather help them formulate understanding and a plan of action based on deeper comprehension of what's been happening. As I said before, all levels of the experience need to be considered, beginning with the physical, psychological, and emotional, but also including the spiritual. But again, many people have had traumatic contact and are unable to address it fully, and in many cases, they'd rather not try to terminate it. They are willing to let it go on and on because they really think they're gaining from it. As I've said before, the person may well be gaining some kind of personal development through their own work in trying to heal themselves in the aftermath of a negative ET contact. But I don't see that there's a lot to gain from maintaining an abusive relationship. And if an abductee remains with an invalidating therapist, then the abuse will only get worse. That's probably the worst case scenario. Negative contact 
that the person thinks they should continue or continues working with a therapist who doesn't believe them and tries to um, basically um, radically change uh, the client's spiritual beliefs. And Deborah says, and in some cases it becomes part of their identity. For instance, a person who comes from a dysfunctional family or a woman who's repetitively beaten by her husband, this often becomes part of the identity of who they think they are, and even though they know that it hurts, it's very hard for them to break away from that. And I said, right, I totally agree. And she goes on, so a lot of times we do things in our lives or continue patterns which are destructive because they're familiar. And I said, yeah, they're familiar. And they also give us a kind of emotional security because of that familiarity. There can also be a sense of comfort in the known, which provides psychological meaning and a sense of structure and cognitive safety. Right? The no cognitive dissonance means cognitive, cognitive, cognitive uh, consonance, a sense of uh, I'm familiar with it and therefore I'm, uh, I feel some safety in the known. I go on, furthermore, the person may not feel so alone because they're in a relationship, meaning with a negative ED. It may be a dysfunctional or abusive relationship, but it's a real relationship. At least they're not in the destitute position of solitude or total isolation. Yes, a lot of people want to continue the experience because they imagine they'd feel worse without it. So this applies to both negative ET contact, abduction types, and um, abusive or harmful human you know, relationship in the physical world with a partner or family member or friend. And Deborah said, yeah, I want to say something here too in defense of the, quote, other kinds of contact. The intention is not to trash the visitor experience and say that it is all negative, awful and bad, but to try to help our readers understand the nature of their experiences what they can do to change what is not desirable, and at the same time remind the public that there are other types of positive or beneficial contact that are taking place. It's been my understanding that beings which are more positive or evolved in nature don't interfere with the direction of our planet or our lives, more like the popular concept of the Prime Directive reflected in the TV series of Star Trek. And actually, <laughs> that notion of Prime Directive on Star Trek most likely is obviously a um, is derived from metaphysical teachings about a law of free will or a law of non-intervention. The law of free will is you know extensively presented in the raw material as the guiding principle by which all positive extraterrestrial groups um, guide their um, guide the limits and the parameters of their contact with Earth humanity in three D physical not to infringe on people's free will, and that's critical. And I said, right, and this touches upon a core point, and I go on. The primary difference between positive and negative ET groups is that the positive ones willingly and totally respect the conscious free will of the individual. Universal free will is their guiding principle, and they never willingly infringe on it. As in Star Trek, it really is their prime directive. As I mentioned before, I can't say if the majority of ET contacts on Earth are positive or negative. One thing Ross said, which is an interesting statement that I can't confirm, but I keep in mind, 
is that the only people who are, who are getting direct one-to-one -one contacts from benevolent ETs are wanderers. Now, there are only about 100 or 80, 100 million wanderers on the planet, and only about 20% are awake to this identity. This is from the raw material. So, maybe there have been 5 to 10 million positive contacts in the last 30 years. Maybe. Again, these are one-to-one. -one. Inspiring, uplifting, meaningful, respectful, non-traumatic, understandable, and extremely beneficent type contacts. They often occur in dreams at night or in visions. But it's not to be expected that the people getting these contacts are likely to go around telling too many people about them because they're quite personal, intimate, and also not at all upsetting. And Deborah jumped in and said, So it sounds like you're suggesting that there are very few people or a small percentage on the planet who are actually, who are actually experiencing these more benevolent-type contacts? And I said, well, I think the numbers of people who've had direct positive contact may not be so small. They could be in the millions, but the contacts are quite subjective and personal, and I would also add subtle. And these people don't generally talk about it, because it's not confusing, or if it's confusing, it's not upsetting. They may not even know exactly what it was, but it wasn't traumatic. Actually, these are the kind of people who often come my way, and almost universally, I'm told they've shared this experience with hardly anyone before me. And so, it's very likely that people who've had positive contact uh, will not speak about it very much, <laughs> and uh, keep it to themselves. So Deborah said, they are not the ones who are publicly coming forward to the therapists, not in general. It is only the ones who are traumatized, and it is distorting the visitor presence. It's not the presence that's distorted, it's, visiting, it's distorting our sense of the morality of the non-human community in higher dimensions, or the non-human ET community that is uh, interacting with Earth, because the negatives will infringe as much as possible, and the positives will refrain from infringement as much as possible. Uh, those that get more press uh, are more likely to be negative. I said, right, that's true. And so the contactee sample is skewed. In statistics, this would be called a sampling bias. Only a certain, only a certain population of contactees generally, come forward to report their experiences, and these are often the people who've had what I consider negative contact. And Deborah goes on and says, there have been some pretty amazing, and um, kind of changing direction a little bit here, she says, there have been some pretty amazing sighting reports of UFOs in the last few years, such as the massive UFO flap, which is still going on over Mexico, and then there were the sightings over Phoenix, and many others, this may be a difficult question to ask you, but I feel it's important, particularly with your strong feelings about the importance of non-interference. What percentage of sightings or UFO flaps do you feel are originating from positive versus more negatively oriented beings? And um, you can see tremendous number of UFO <laughs> sighting uh, events on YouTube, including the flap in Mexico and Phoenix action. And I went on, I said, well... There are some interesting things to say about this. Number one, there are two basic categories for the origins of genuine UFOs, human and non-human. In terms of any claimed UFO sighting, the person is either having a genuine perception of a ship 
or they're just hallucinating or mistaking it for a natural phenomenon, as may happen. And Deborah added, or they're not seeing it correctly. So it's complicated, right? <laughs> the origin, a person claiming a sighting may have a genuine perception of a UFO, unidentified, or it's a you know psychopathy, psychopathology, hallucination, or it's a mistaken natural phenomena, or something else. And if it's really a UFO unidentified, it could be human or non-human. And if it's non-human, it could be positive or negative, which is generally negative, actually. So it's that complicated, and I don't know how many people talk about that complexity. And I go on, yes, um, they're either, they either do see something objectively present in physical or a metaphysical reality, or they only think that they do. I'd say that in most cases, uh, of most of the cases of craft sightings, there really is something there, made on Earth or truly transplanetary, meaning uh, human-made or non-human-made. Honestly, I really don't think there are too many hoaxes or hoaxers, because I just don't think so many people are that devious. There are some, but I don't think it's many. The devious ones are usually in positions of social power and control. <laughs> They're usually in, in positions of power, and uh, it doesn't help their cause to fake a UFO. The most devious ones uh, are busy using their devious uh, abilities. And she says, most are certainly not purposely hoaxing, but genuinely feeling that they saw something they cannot explain. And I think that's true. And I said, yes, it can certainly be misperception, misidentification, or some type of mistake, meaning it's natural phenomenon. How often that occurs, I certainly cannot say. But then we have to address the two categories of genuine UFO sightings, human-made UFOs and alien craft. It may come as a shock to some, but according to my understanding, experiences, client work, in reading a metaphysics, the majority, if not the entirety, of UFO flap or mass sightings are negative ships and human technology. So you have Confederation positively oriented groups, ships. You have Orion or whoever, you know, other various neg various other negatively oriented ET groups, uh, negatively oriented groups, ET craft. And then you have humans, human craft, which are normally run by secret space programs. Yeah, of course. Uh, and they're generally negatively oriented too, <laughs> as far as I can tell. And I said, why? <clears throat> and I said, because, again, positive extraterrestrials deeply and implicitly follow the law of free will. And so they'd never appear en masse to a group of people, as far as I know. Because, or in general, because in all such randomly selected groups, like the population of a city, most of the viewers don't really want to have that experience. It is upsetting, confusing, traumatic, disturbing, and basically unwanted. In the raw material, they state in no uncertain terms that most UFO flaps, which means a, a short-term uh, manifestation of a quantity of ships, most UFO flaps are the result of holes or windows in a sort of quarantined energy field around Earth. Negative ETs take advantage of these holes, which is their right, and they don't mind coming in with all their mates who just fly in along with them and basically freak out the majority of the people who are not prepared. <clears throat> the basic effect of UFO flaps on most people is certainly negative and not an aid to their spiritual awakening, no matter what some idealistic channels may say. 
and it, this is in the sense that it creates fear and confusion for those unprepared in mind. And there are a lot of UFO researchers who don't seem to go that deeply and understand that. Deborah says, so in your opinion, this violation of the prime directive or violation of our free will or infringement would include the massive sightings which took place in areas such as Mexico and Phoenix? And I said, right. In my understanding, the Phoenix Lights, Mexico City sightings, those in South Africa, or flaps and many other, on many other places are almost all coming from negative extraterrestrials who don't care about infringing on human free will, the majority of whom have no idea how to usefully interpret their experience. Uh, in my opinion, the only other source of UFO flaps is that portion of black budget agencies that have similar technology usually derived from the work of Nikola Tesla, which is another long story. And so the basic source of flaps, meaning mass sightings of mass ships, in my opinion, is either Orion negative ET or human, you know, made on Earth or made by, made by humanity craft. In terms of this, I go on. I think there's been a program in place for many years, well-established and well-funded, developed by certain, certain military intelligence agencies that now have extraterrestrial type craft or UFOs. When they appear in flaps, which I'm sure they do sometimes, they may want to gauge public opinion, test their toys, or condition the population in some way. But I can't say which flaps came from negative ETs who don't care about traumatizing people and which came from secret military technology, you know, run by secret space program type... Um, agendas, really. They're both. Certainly, uh, there's some sightings of uh, ships over New York City or Seoul, Korea. You can see on YouTube. I'm not sure if they're different or the same mixed up. It looks like dozens of little silvery disks. Uh, again, that's either Orion or uh, Made on Earth, seems to me. And Deborah goes on, sure, that's quite possible, meaning these two sources for flaps. On another subject, so we change direction a bit here. There are a lot of people who report witnessing what is often referred to as orbs or balls of light or spheres, that type of thing. And they seem to be related or witnessed in correlation with abductions and sometimes in and around crop circles. Many times they're anywhere from 4 to 12 inches in diameter and are seen moving about in a manner which seems intelligently guided. What's your personal opinion of what these orbs may be? And there are many, many pictures online, and there are many categories, actually. And I say, well, this kind of question I cannot fully answer, but I think the types of lights associated with crop circles, and that's one type of what could be called orbs, are probably energy devices programmed by the extraterrestrial originators of the circles. Those lights are basically like drone craft programmed in a command center to go out and fly in a certain manner, lay down the crop or, you know, send the heat or radiation, whatever it is that's bending the, the crop, and create the design by their energy beams. I've also talked to people who've reported balls of light appearing in front of them and having one-to-one -one contact. In my understanding, this is usually a positive contact, and that person is probably a wanderer. Now, it's probably happened that some people have seen balls of light and been traumatized or burned or injured in some way, if so, that would indicate a negative contact. I'm sure some people may feel that my talk of positive and negative is just reductive, 
reductio ad absurdum, or too simplistic, or that I'm a judgmental, narrow-minded guy. Bad Scott, bad, bad, saying positive and negative too many times. I'm certainly aware of this kind of criticism. But to me, this whole positive-negative thing is elementary, yet because people still don't get it, I feel compelled to keep talking about it, although it is tiring to me too. I'm not trying to make such a big deal of it, but it is an essential point to acknowledge moral polarity among ET groups and human ET contacts. It is not a trivial matter in any way. (laughs) And there is moral polarity on Earth, although people are rapidly losing in the collective and understanding of morality, Um, although some people are, a few people are, more clearly understanding what morality and ethical ethical perspective is. Uh, you either try to help or you don't. <laughs> There's harmful and harmless. There's a intention to be harmless, and there's intention for self-gain or fulfilling desires that, had, that doesn't care about being harmless. And then there's the intention to harm. So some are intentionally harming to control and get power. That's called negative orientation. There are some that are heedless of consequences, moral or you know emotional, particularly effects on others. And those are called selfish, but not necessarily service to self. And then there's positively oriented folks or people who value love and honesty, who seek to be harmless, ahimsa, and that's the basic rule of morality uh, as found in uh, nearly all religions, although nearly all the religionists in the religions. I think don't really um, value the value morality as much as it should be, and frankly, uh, <laughs> you you won't go to heaven, you won't go to a higher astral, you won't graduate out of third density by faith and belief alone. Faith and belief alone is 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 really impotent. It isn't just faith; it's conduct, and people really. I mean, I'm sure people you people listening here understand it, but there are a lot of people in the world who think that I believe what they say I should believe, I'll go to heaven, right? I have faith, I guess, sort of, or yes, I do, I'll go to heaven, right? Well, not necessarily, depends on morality of conduct, speech and behavior particularly, and particularly the strength of the desire to not harm, to do no harm. And that is a universal principle that um, most religions uh, today, other than Buddhism, <laughs> actually, because you can't be a monk and do harm. You, don't, you either follow the rules or you're thrown out. Um, but most religions seem to de-emphasize morality. Um, it's, a big, it's not a trivial matter in any way. <laughs> and um, the confusion of human morality... Uh, is probably part of the basis for the confusion about ET activity, ET contact morality, and the polarity of cosmic life, for sure. I go on, but we basically have a big problem here on Earth with discernment. I mean, how many people still follow evil, deceptive leaders, keep voting them in office again and again, then wonder why we have so many problems in society, or why those leaders broke their promises? The media gives us the impression, your leaders love you. And just like little children, most people believe because they want to. And the alternative is too scary. Humanity is quite naive. In fact, what's rare and and, um, quite 
uh, astounding to me about Earth humanity um, is, is that in general people support both leaders and social structures, social systems that oppress them, that <laughs> deceive them, that limit them, restrain them, harm them, <laughs> weaken them, sicken them, confuse them, poison them. People basically support such leaders and social systems and structures. They basically do. That's amazing to me that you have a planet here of souls that that don't know, that, that are very confused that, uh, as to why they're not feeling so well. And everybody basically gets sick and, and um, you know, has, has some illness in body-mind, nearly everyone. And um, continue supporting both the leaders and the systems and the organizations of their own oppression. Uh, it's really quite amazing to me. As a visitor from elsewhere, it is quite uh, striking. Deborah goes on, so regardless of what these balls of light are, whether they're non-physical forms of beings that are visiting people or something else, you're basically saying to trust your experience in terms of whether it feels like a positive or negative encounter, and that one can intuitively know, and, this is, and that this is not rocket science. And I said, right, <clears throat> I think we need a basic level of intuitive self-trust. Honestly, it's the most elementary kind of thing. If someone shouts and hits you, you feel bad. And if someone is gentle and caring, you feel good. It's just like that. Likewise, an ET contact that involves pain, terror, confusion, or violation almost always comes from a negative source. That negative source is not going to change, no, no matter how much you use the experience for your own self-growth. And no matter how much you want to cooperate or be on equal terms, the negative source uh, won't change its polarity or intentions. Negatively oriented ETs do change polarity sometimes, but they certainly don't abduct people to change their polarity. <laughs> it's fantasy and self-comforting for abductees to believe that, although they may well have been told so, this notion that uh, we're abusing, we're abducting you or we're treating you this way, which is painful or excruciatingly upsetting for you because we want to help ourselves learn about love. Okay. And Deborah says, We hear most reports of people who've had encounters with what we frequently call greys. Is it your experience that all beings we describe as greys have all the same polarity, that they're all negative, all causing traumatic encounters for individuals? Or... Do you find or think it's possible that there are differences, just as there are with similar-looking people? Do you feel that some may be more spiritually evolved or assisting and less self-serving? Meaning, what about these greys? And I said, I hold out the possibility that there is variance, that there are several different ET groups with similar morphology and body shape, meaning the grey face and body shape type. You can certainly have different races of opposite polarity that evolve from a, a common genetic root. That's definitely possible. However, positive and negative ETs don't work together on genuine alien abductions that involve pain, terror, and trauma. So, if you see two kinds of greys working together, one is mean but the other seems nice, I'd say they're both self-serving. It's not like C. It's most people who've had abduction recall 
uh, different types of beings or beings and negative, you know, different kinds of aliens and humans working together. And some of them seem nice and some of them seem not nice and some of them are angry and mean and other ones seem to be comforting. And then they think, oh, the good guys are working with the bad guys or they're all good guys because some of the guys were friendly or they were not all mean to me. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, is, uh, as far as I know, and I continue, positive groups don't collaborate with negative groups doing abduction. I can guarantee you that. Positive ETs don't help negative ETs traumatize people. That's pretty simple, right? Given the possibility that there could be several different groups with similar type, quote, Gray's morphology, people have to be truly honest with themselves about the nature of their experience. They need to be discerning in the face of whatever the alien told them, which might include nice words to make them feel important that they're so special or that they're needed for an important spiritual mission. These days, you hear the line about hybridization is essential to save the human race. Honestly, I think this is a big fat lie. Hybridization essential to save the human race, or AI essential to save the human race, or immigration to Europe essential to save Europe, or whatever we demand you conform to and comply with is necessary for us to help you and help yourself because we know better and uh, we love you, so says human leadership, so says negative ET abducting aliens as well. As I said before, I think it's simply giving people a palliative to allow continued abuse and to justify the trauma. It's a way of mollifying a person's confusion, giving them a red herring to chew on, leading them to feel good about themselves, despite the fact that they're just being used. You hear the same kind of deception from any corrupt human leader or organization. Your, you surrender to me is, your surrender to me is for your own good, and because you're so special and we have great work to do, dot, 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 you do what I say. And I go on, it's just mind control. It seems hard for most people, including first and foremost, abductees and researchers in the field, to realize that negative ETs are tricky, deceitful, and as manipulative as they can be, to the most extreme degree. Yet, nice people are often naive and don't want a bitter truth. So, if you're naive, it's because you can't handle bitter truth. And if you learn to strengthen your heart, which is the organ system associated with the bitter taste in Chinese medicine, strengthen your heart and you can appreciate bitter mud. I drink bitter mud regularly. It's a, it's a certain kind of cooling Chinese herb powder mixed with water, combination of herbs. It turns into this brown, yellow, bitter mud, and I drink it every day, just so I'm more comfortable with the bitter mud of 3D space-time on Earth, uh, as I see around me here. So, negative ETs are tricky, deceitful, and as manipulative as they can be, to the most extreme degree. And nice people are often naive and don't want a bitter truth. And yet one can be nice and have a strong enough heart to handle bitter truth and bitter mud medicine and um, basically accept truth no matter how it feels. That's a great achievement. We can do it. So if all these things are taken into consideration and people are not naive in the analysis of their experiences or the experience of others, uh, then we can still hold out the possibility that there are different kinds of grays 
and some of them are positive. But we shouldn't let ourselves be fooled. There's no real value to that. And she goes on, in your work, are you convinced that you have cases where individuals have been able to stop their negative or unwanted encounters? So a very important question. And I said, yes, it has happened a couple of times. But mainly, in my experience in working with people, it's because they did spiritual practice. I gave them a mantra, such as a traditional Buddhist mantra in Sanskrit or Tibetan, and they used that mantra with some degree of confidence and faith, basically in themselves. And over time, they accessed their own power. But if people are not willing to first open heart to the full range of their own feelings, take full responsibility, meaning I, I allowed this to happen, uh, I co-created this, then engage in serious spiritual practice, then it probably won't end on its own. It may stop temporarily, but unless the person becomes truly self-empowered, then they're still vulnerable. Deborah said, there's a mindset within the abduction research community that, number one, there's nothing we can do to stop it. <laughs> Wouldn't that, isn't that not a surprise? And number two, that those who have prayed or done meditation or claim that the nature of their experiences changed or stopped as a result are simply kidding themselves, right? So that's called disempowering leadership. It is claimed by this, um, this uh, great leadership that the only difference is that they're probably not remembering their experiences, <clears throat> but that they're continuing. So there is this sort of helplessness, helpless resignation among experiences where they feel there's nothing they can do <laughs> based on their glorious uh, UFO researcher leadership. Well, I said, let the buyer beware. The quality of the information you get is based on the quality of the practitioner you visit. Again, it's a very complicated issue because some people do pray and meditate and certainly continue to have negative contact. As they say, you have to pray, quote, hard enough but it's also true, they may think it's an alien abduction, but the real perpetrators are humans in disguise, what's called milabs, military abductions. This is another very long story. Meanwhile, other people do meditation and some kind of spiritual practice, and the abduction experiences really do end. Or, at least, they really don't, they don't recall any more violation, and they feel well again. In those cases, I imagine the contact really did end and the person is not fooling themselves. They just don't have the contact anymore. But again, you know, there are people who've called to, to Jesus and the abduction didn't end, or the negative experience didn't end. People who've um, done some basic spiritual action, prayer, calling, I guess, a mantra, or the Lord's Prayer, or something, this or that, and negative contact continues and others who did those similar uh, spiritual practices or works and the contact, negative contact did end. <coughs> and so it gets complicated. I go on, but here's where the practitioner or the therapist or the so-called expert's view comes in. Because if the researcher or professional feels it just cannot be stopped, then that's an additional obstacle for the person to get over. If the researcher believes it's impossible to terminate, I'd recommend that people leave that practitioner, no matter how famous they are, no matter how well-respected they are in the field. Let the buyer beware. As far, because, as far as I know, based on my experience and work with others, as well as the principles of metaphysics and white magic, negative experience 
can be terminated. But again, if people want to be disempowered and want to feel out of control, that's totally their right. And so people have to know their own uh, psychological disposition, their own mixed motivations or conflicted motivations or desires very deeply to be able to end this kind of contact. And she, Deborah said, and they want to feel supported in their belief that they cannot control their life. Right. Some people want external validation that I'm a victim and I'm out of control and it's your responsibility and you must do this and that for me. And I go on, I said, right, if they feel they cannot control their life, they're not responsible for this experience, there's nothing they can do, and they're only helpless victims. If this is what they want to believe, well then, more power to them. I'd certainly let them continue that way of thinking if they so choose. It's their free will to do so, (laughs) which is basically um, victim identity affirmation. But there's another way another line of reasoning and experience based on metaphysical knowledge and spiritual practice that shifts or can shift our overall condition of body-mind-spirit. It can revitalize our energy fields and bring greater self-understanding, acceptance, will, and spiritual maturity. And that approach delivers results. This path, taking matters into your own hands through dedicated spiritual work, fosters a shift of energy in the seven chakras and the energy fields, and a change of consciousness that brings protection and can lead to becoming invulnerable or non-attractive to negative ET contact. Unfortunately, it doesn't help with military abductions, or it can, but it's more complicated, since that's a matter of remaining in a harmful environment from which one should simply move, meaning get out of the firing line, out of the line of fire, off the firing range, uh, and go to a place with less uh, mil-abs coverage. But again, you need a metaphysical perspective to appreciate this, and if you don't want it, that's fine. But in the metaphysical view, you can come to realize that true self, or what's called higher self, is our true essence and a much higher level of being than negative aliens. Higher self is six-dimensional. Negative aliens are four-dimensional. And so Atman can surely um, protect uh, and um, play a part in ending negative contact, but it's complicated, depends on karma, depends on many things, and the quality of one's effort and will. Therefore, the more we make alignment with true self, the more our energy field becomes sovereign. It's then no longer penetrable or permeable or so attractive to these beings who themselves exist at a much weaker level of consciousness than higher self. And yet, this is a very deep thing, and not everyone can accept it, but it's a view in accord with 5,000 years of mystic spirituality, East and West, particularly East. The Vedas written 2,000 or more than 2,000 BC. I've known other practitioners, meaning people who are working with others, who have been able to affect this kind of change or help this change in their clients, so people don't have such negative experiences anymore. But in all cases, the individual must take a significant amount of responsibility for what they've gone through, and they cannot remain stuck in blame and self-pity. They need to make some sort of effort at developing themselves spiritually in whatever way is right for them. They must activate their will. And uh, 
any uh, we're getting to the end of the interview and so Deborah asked any closing thoughts here of anything else you'd like to share and I said well the pity here of course is that 90% of the universe is benevolent quite beautiful and gracious in terms of consciousness and their intentions for helping earth but due to the weight of millennia of human confusion self-destructive patterns long-held religious conditioning that reinforces self-doubt self-denial and I'd add victim identity and disempowerment and uh, self-sabotage and violence and irrationality and a lack of independent thought dot 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 the abduction phenomenon has taken center stage in our consideration of ET contact unfortunately this has led to an overemphasis of the role of negative ETs in cosmic plan but I guess it's not surprising given all the problems with the soul groups on earth and the paucity of true spiritual seeking in human society many benevolent ET groups feel tremendous pity for this planet and the several billion souls here who know no better anyway the antidote to negative ET contact is of course development of greater love self-appreciation spiritual empowerment and also honesty and a commitment to truth as always and through all experiences we ourselves determine the quality and speed of our own evolution as we can sever ties to abusive people we can also sever ties to abusive alien groups in the very near future they'll have nothing to do with this planet but till then I really hope people open their eyes develop some discernment and come to realize their sovereign spiritual power and that concludes the interview with Deborah Lindemann on abduction and negative ET contact and um, there's not that much else to say (laughs) much much has been said Uh, it's just a shame Uh, it's not so surprising that earth humanity that has done violence to itself uh, for millennia now finds itself the victim of violence uh, interdimensionally it's uh, no surprise at all it's karmic justice even though it's bitter and painful Uh, karmically um, it's not confusing Uh, what 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 you get is what you've given and if you live um, a core in accord with um, a very shallow configure a shallow understanding of self-interest uh, might makes right so I have the bigger might therefore I have the bigger right therefore I can do whatever to get more for me or me and my group um, if you live like that um, it, you're going to you're going to find a bigger sob down the line who will put you under his heel and keep you squashed for a long time. So, what you get is what you've given. And if you want good, give good. And if you want love and harmony, give love and harmony. What goes around comes around. What goes out comes back. What's given is received. That's the law of karma, and well, one formulation of it. So it's not surprising that humanity, uh, with a very um, troubled past, uh, finds that 
negative ET contact is center stage in the discussion of human extraterrestrial relationship and channeling <clears throat> while, you know, certain channels <laughs> I respect tremendously. Um, a lot of channels are really quite naive and immature and silly and don't help too much and just uh, act as an echo chamber to people's uh, self-reinforcing beliefs um, that are pretty childish. So uh, there may or may not be white hats to save humanity. And yet the reality is that uh, you can't save humanity. You can only save yourself. <clears throat> and the more people that save themselves, uh, which really means um, come back to truth, a commitment to truth and honesty, a commitment to kindness and harmlessness, uh, a, a commitment to continuing to learn and grow and help uh, without imposing, without infringing, um, sensitive to the needs of those around us as well as our own. The more people who do that are saving themselves and that affects the collective. <clears throat> That's happening now. Uh, but um, humans have become so complicated that they can't appreciate the simple. And so you have lots of people who've over-complicated spirituality and the path, <clears throat> like the notion of chakras, right? <laughs> the seven chakras, if you really, really, you know, pay heed, as many of you have, to an understanding of the seven chakras based just from the raw material, just start with that. Just learn it. Uh, you'll see that it it clarifies tremendous, tremendously the nature of the entire spiritual path from human through higher self back to the logoic, from third chakra with lower triad blockage up to six and seven and out. Very clear understanding of the path as development, sequential development and expansion of consciousness. Hey, hey, very simple. And... Um, most people don't want that. <laughs> They're too complicated. And so they feel, it's like people who um, don't feel comfortable in silence. Um, the busy mind is painful, so they drown it out with noise and distraction or continually looking at their black cube um, little two-by-two two, uh, scrying mirror called a cell phone or a device. Uh, because in silence they see how troubled or complicated their mind is, and they can't really experience silence of mind or silence silence of mind at a steady state, as Ra talked about, holding the mind steady in the light, as Bailey said, or samadhi, as the Buddhists and the Hindus teach. They can't even get to that, most people, or some of you. <clears throat> because of um, being unwilling to sit through the pain of the current mind. So, with all that trouble and humanity profoundly um, unwilling to make the effort to independent thought, uh, it's no surprise that Orion finds a fertile field of abductees here. And then that the researchers in the field uh, often don't help much or cannot help much, and they themselves have been abducted or mind control, or damaged. So, <clears throat> we don't have to name names. <laughs> Just look, look at the face, look at the, look at the words, and look at their level of uh, development. So, uh, such it is.
uh, I think this will conclude the reading of book three, uh, Selected Essays. And this is the end of the twelfth session. I think we did twelve hours. I did twelve hours here. I think that's a pretty good book review. Twelve hour book review is quite nice. And so for anybody who cares, I think there's lots and lots of food here um, for continued mental, spiritual self-transformation. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, where we go next in the talks um, is to be determined. Uh, I hope you're well with yourselves. I hope you've learned and continue learning and growing and helping as you can. Um, and don't forget the beauty the beauty of nature and the beauty of um, creation around us. Take care and good night.